Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. Matthew chapter 7 in our Bibles. We're going to look at one verse today, verse 12. Heard of a story. <laughs> oh, man. Of a busload of politicians. I know, it's hilarious, huh? It's, they were driving down a country road when all of a sudden the bus ran off the road and crashed into a tree in an old farmer's field. The old farmer, after seeing what had happened, went over to investigate the bus. He then proceeded to dig a hole to bury the politicians. I know, it's funny. <laughs> a few days later, the local sheriff came out and saw the crashed bus and asked the old farmer where all the politicians had gone. The old farmer said he had buried them. The sheriff asked the old farmer, were they all dead? The old farmer replied, well, some of them said they weren't, but you know how them politicians lie. <laughs> okay, is that too much? Come on, lighten up. Well, yes, our uh, very own Sacramento Bee wrote on June 4th, Friday morning, that our governor uh, Newsom revealed that he will not lift the state of emergency when California reopens its economy on June 15th. But, I want to clarify, for weeks the governor we know has been touting June 15th as the day Californians will begin to return to normal. Everyday activities will be allowed and business can open with what Newsom's office called common sense risk reduction measures. Uh, California will still reopen its economy on June 15th, doing away with the business restrictions, mass mandates, and phase reopening for counties, but the state of emergency will remain in effect, allowing the state to continue programs that deal with the ongoing effects of the disaster. But it appears that the state of emergency order, which gives the governor additional emergency powers, isn't going away anytime soon. Clarification. Why am I bringing this up? Because as of June 15th, we will remain business as usual. Uh, we get to do this, um, as is, is being said, as a lot of states we know are already doing. Um, but our governor will keep the state of emergency order in order in California. Why? We don't know exactly why. It just says that it still gives him executive order and power to keep doing uh, something immediately if he needs to. He doesn't have to go through all the channels. So that's why he's leaving it in order. We don't know why exactly, but again, uh, the point I'm making is that everything will be reopened June 15th, no matter what, it's just the state of emergency will be still in place. And so we're working forward as a church to figure out what that looks like, but I want you to plan on that June 15th, we're moving forward as business as usual. Father's Day is the next Sunday, which we will celebrate the dads, uh, maybe we'll get you some fancy donuts or something, dads. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure it out. But what I'm working towards is June 27th, the following Sunday, I'm thinking we might just do like a big barbecue or something and just try to invite out the whole city and say, hey, you're going to restaurants, you're going to the park. Why don't you come to church and uh, come have a good time? We have outside seating if you'd like to do that. It's wide open, actually. There's only a couple people sitting out there. Hey, everybody. Love you guys out there. Uh, but um, we have outside seating as well. That'll still be in place. But um, it'll be a great time for us to invite out friends and family to church and say, hey, let's get back to church. Let's get partying. Cal California's open. It's time to go worship the Lord. Okay? 
Is that, you see how I spun that whole thing? Is that okay? Did that work? Is that okay? Okay. The state of our world is very interesting right now. I do sense uh, a little bit of frustration with the current state of our culture. We're kind of in a weird limbo place, huh? Inflation is rising, gas is five bucks a gallon, everything is expensive. We just came out of uh, 2020 hoping everything was going to change and here we are. Um, no joke, we see our crime is going up in LA. Murders are up 200% in Los Angeles County since the beginning of the year, since January. Pretty bizarre, huh? You see frustration on the freeway and the grocery lines. I saw this lady chew out somebody in PetSmart yesterday. I'm just looking at her like, what are you doing? There's like happy dogs everywhere and like you're hammering the lady at the counter. What's wrong with you? Lighten up. Um, we see it at the parks. We see it at the beach. You know, people can't relax yet for some reason and just start enjoying life. We're still not there. And I think the economic stresses are waves that are just now showing up as people's savings are burning up and they are going to have to figure out how to rebuild. Um, some don't know if they can afford California anymore. All of these thoughts and ideas are coming through. Friendships are still broken to some degree the, from, from 2020. Family tensions are still in place from 2020. And the latest uh, discussion now that we're arguing about is the vaccines. You know, what side are you on? And I, I want to remind you, church, very important, and trust me, this does bleed into what we're talking about today. Every time you see a line drawn in the sand by our polit politicians or culture, it, it's this, this you versus them, beware. Like, warning, like, recognize what's happening. Think, stop and think. Why do we need to keep dividing the people over and over and over again? You're on this side, you're on this side. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Dividing, dividing, dividing. I remember, I think it was the great Lord Jesus Christ who said, a kingdom divided cannot stand. Why do we need to keep dividing over and over again? First we had to argue about COVID, then race, then politics, now vaccines. This is crazy. And I think we need Jesus' statement now more than ever, our verse today, verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is our text today. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. We normally stand for the reading of God's word. It's for one verse. You guys want to stand for the reading of it? Let's do it. We always stand for the reading of God's word to remember whose word we're reading, pay honor to him, and to remember these are not my words. And this isn't some like cool little phrase that was made up. Um, this is the words of the Lord Jesus. It's the golden rule. The title of the message today is, What if everyone followed the golden rule? Verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men, whatever you want people to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We worship you. We thank you for your word. And we ask now that you would open our eyes. Open our hearts. Open our ears. I pray this would be ingrained in us. Lord, we love this phrase, but we don't know how to... Share it with one another here in L.A. I pray that you teach us. Use this time to glorify yourself, to mature us 
in the ways of you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. What a profoundly deep statement, yet extremely simple to understand. Children can understand this verse, yet adults don't live it out. We tell kids this, treat others the way you want to be treated. It's a golden rule. It's in children's books. Children's books that are not even religious, it's in there. Treat others the way you want to be treated, the golden rule. The implications of one verse like this lived out changes the whole world from nation to nation. Treat other nations the way you want to be treated. Huh? Treat other nations the way you want to be treated. Wow. Let that sink in. Spouse to spouse, married couples, treat your spouse the way that you want to be treated. Hmm. Friend to friend, family member to family member, coworker to coworker. Well, they do this and they do that. Treat them the way that you want to be treated. The problem is the way that we treat and think about each other from a national level to a small level. It's simple. We should obey Jesus' commands. What if we just obeyed it? Said, forget this. I'm fed up. I'm going to treat everyone on the 101 and 405 the way that I want to be treated. Wow. There were variations of the golden rule in other writings such as the Talmud, even Hinduism and Buddhism, but it was used in a negative sense. Jesus made it, made it positive. The negative is whatever is hateful to you, don't do to others. Whatever is hateful to you, don't do to others. This is the Talmud, this is Hinduism, this is Buddhism. Jesus turned it the other way in the positive direction. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. But truly, this statement really originates from the command of God from the beginning that humans are to love one another. This is the root of it, is it not? The premise is very simple. Let us just love and serve one another. First and greatest command, to love God with your whole being, your whole soul, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Second, the whole law is summed up in this command. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is how people know you are a follower of God, by your love for other people. Jesus opens up this statement with the word, therefore. It's in most of your Bibles. And when the, the word therefore shows up in your Bible, we always need to ask what it is there for, right? Context. The word therefore suggests reasoning from the previous context. What was the previous context? Do you remember what Jesus was just talking about here in Matthew 7? He was talking about judging one another and being careful to judge one another because with the same measure we judge, with the same ruler that we use on other people, line them up. With the same ruler that you use to judge other people, the same standard, we will be judged. And we are to look first at ourselves and make sure we don't have a plank in our own eye before we do surgery on somebody else's eye, before we correct someone else. Jesus then encourages us that the only way to get to this place of holiness and closeness to God is to keep knocking on his door every single day. 
How do I live a life like that? Not to be judging of everybody and to do beautiful corrective surgery when I have to correct a brother or a sister. How do I do it in such love that I don't mess everything up and cut veins and arteries and things that I shouldn't? How do I do corrective surgery that's helpful? We need to be in communion with our God. We need to be in communion and fellowship with the one who is love. Then when we go to help another, we will do so the way that he does. It's in prayer. It's in our walks. With him, we end up growing and being helpful. Jesus then says, therefore, whatever you want men to do you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. He's playing on judging others and how to treat others. This statement is not new. Jesus told us in Mark 12, 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Do also whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. There is no other commandment greater than these. Wow. It's a good litmus test. You know how you like to be loved. You know how you like to be treated. You know what kind of respect and honor that you would like from other people. Thus, give that to other people. And if you choose to do this, watch what happens to other people. Look, nobody likes when somebody arrogant comes in the room and takes over and starts elbowing everybody and pushing everybody around, right? But what do you like? Well, that humble person who comes up and just loves on you and serves you and is just a down-to-earth, easygoing, fun person. You don't have to walk on eggshells around them. They're just the best, so fun to be around. They're humble. They're, they're serving around you, always helpful. You love that person, huh? Then why don't you be that person? Work on being that person. If you love it so much, be that person to other people. That's what Jesus is saying. Treat other people to like you, the way that you like to be treated. I'm going to talk about how this looks in real time, but first, what is Jesus saying? Who is he speaking to? Point number one, if you're taking notes today, the golden rule sums up the law of God. The golden rule sums up the whole law of God. Notice the phrase, for this is the law and the prophets. What he is saying is the whole objective and purpose of the law and the prophets was to show us how to treat one another. It's the whole point. They were not mechanical laws to hold rigidly. That doesn't matter. God doesn't care about that. God wants the heart of people. We do not keep a rigid law. We obey commands from God, and they have an underlining principle to love one another. This is what God is getting at in all 613 of the laws given to Israel and the Jewish people in the Old Testament. It was to point them again to the spirit of really loving and serving their neighbor. This is the point of the law. It's just crazy. It's like when you follow rigid laws... And, and you don't get the spirit of that law, the meaning, the purpose of that law. You miss the whole point of it. And we have people who do this all the time. But I wasn't trying, I was trying to do the right thing. What's the point of a red light, for instance? The point of a red light is to stop so that 
um, you don't end up killing somebody coming through the other intersection. We all have to wait our turn and wait for the green light and the whole thing. But you see, if, if there is a red light happening right in front of you and there, there is something worse that could be taking place if you don't move, like for instance, a semi coming behind you, like what was happening to me and uh, Pastor Mike Jonker after a surf sesh, we were getting off the freeway and we were at a red light waiting our turn. There's a semi coming about 30, 40 miles an hour on the off-ramp and he, his brakes went out. He's coming the off-ramp and Mike sees, we're at a red light. Does he obey the law or does he try to move the truck? You gotta move the truck, we're gonna die. So Mike starts pulling the truck over to the side and the thing jackknifes and comes around and, and taps the back of our truck and me and Mike go forward like this and everything's good. Nothing ended up happening to us, praise God. But what if Mike would have just sat there at the red light and says, got to obey the law, got to obey the law. No, the laws are there for a purpose and a reason. There is a spirit of that law. And for anybody to follow it rigidly is missing the whole point. The same is true with the Old Testament law of God. Those 613 laws were not put in place as rigid lines. They were put in place to force the Jewish people and all of Israel to love their neighbor. A good example in the law, Deuteronomy chapter 22. You want to hear the law of Moses? Listen. Wow. That was a long amen. <laughs> Deuteronomy 22, verse 1. Here you go. Societal laws for Israel. If you see your neighbor's oxen or sheep or goat wandering away, God, when's the last time you saw that? see your neighbor's ox or sheep or goat wandering away, don't ignore your responsibility. Take it back to its owner. If you see your neighbor's dog get out of the gate, help your neighbor. Go get the dog and take it to the front door. Take it back to its owner. Verse 2, if its owner does not live nearby or you do not know who the owner is, take it to your place and keep it until the owner comes looking for it. Then you must return it. Don't keep it as your dog. <laughs> hey, did you see any uh, beautiful dog running around here? That, you know, that happy lab that everybody loves? Did you see one? No, 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 we didn't see anything. No, no. I think maybe down the street you should go check there. It's in your house. If its owner does not live nearby, you don't know who the owner is, take it to your place, keep it until the owner comes looking for it, then you must return it. Verse 3, do the same if you find your neighbor's donkey, clothing, or anything else your neighbor loses. Don't ignore your responsibility. If you see that your neighbor's donkey or ox has collapsed on the road, do not look the other way. Go help your neighbor and get it back on its feet. What is the underlining rule here? Just love and help your neighbor. What is the spirit of this law? Can we just love and serve each other and just help each other? No, no, we have to follow this rigid law. I think I saw a donkey fall. I got to go over, help it up, or God's going to smash me. No. He doesn't care about you following a bunch of laws and a bunch of red lights so that you can get brownie points. That's not what this is about. It's about loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor genuinely. This is what Jesus is getting at. He says the whole law, all 613 of these exhaustive laws are summed up very, very simply. 
Do unto others as you would have them do to you. If you lost your dog, wouldn't you want somebody to come and bring it back to you? If you were walking your donkey and he fell, wouldn't you want somebody to come help you pick him up? Yeah. Somebody gets a flat tire, you clearly have time to help him and you just look the other way. That's classic our society. We ain't got time for nobody. What happened to this? If someone stops to help you with your tire, are you thankful? Then maybe you should do it for someone else. It's very simple. All of this points to loving your neighbor. The law was not meant to be a mechanical act, and that is why Jesus is clarifying, for this is the law and the prophets. Treating others the way you want to be treated actually fulfills what God was trying to teach the people in the Old Testament. Romans 13.8 says, Be indebted to no one except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the whole law. Fulfill the whole law in loving your neighbor. Galatians 5.14, the entire law is fulfilled in a single decree. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul just comes out and says it very clearly. The whole thing, the entire thing is summed up in one decree. You fulfill the whole law, 613 laws, when you love your neighbor. If you look at the Ten Commandments closely, you'll see that the first few of them are loving God with all your heart. The second half of them is loving your neighbor. That's all it is. The whole thing is summed up morally right there as well. Look at, look at what else Christ has to say. It's point number two. Everyone loves the golden rule, but few end up applying it. Everyone loves the golden rule, but few end up applying it. Why? We even try to force people through our laws to abide by the golden rule. People are not consistent. And we know why. It's because we have a sin-filled nature. We are born doing wrong and continue, continue to do wrong all of our lives. People do far more wrong than right. Even though we like to claim that we are good people, I understand what's being said. So that's a good person. I get it. They are a bit better than others and they're all around a pretty good person. But we have sin running through our veins. We have the seed of every sin in our hearts. And we got to be care careful never to say, I would never do that. Because if that seed is watered and you're put into a situation of compromise, you could find yourself in that situation very quickly. We're born doing wrong. I know, I have two little babies. And I watch my Eden, my cute little perfect Eden, man. I don't know where, I know where it comes from. I don't have to teach her how to do wrong. She knows how to do it already. I don't, come here, baby, come over here. We're going to have a lesson on how to do wrong today. This is how you do it. No, no, we naturally have that bend. We have to be taught to do right. That's why we aren't to be leaving all of these decisions into the minds and hands of children. They can barely tie their shoes and put their right hand over their heart for the Pledge of Allegiance. We're going to let them make decisions at a young age, about what's going on inside of them. This is crazy. Makes no sense. We, we don't make the, let them make decisions about all kinds of things until they're 16, 18, and 21, but we're going to let them make the biggest decisions when they're young. This is crazy. 
backwards thinking. It's dangerous. But truly, the default setting of our heart, it's wrong over and over again, and I find myself having to turn the dial in the direction of God. I've got to turn the dial all the way back, often in the direction of good. If I just leave myself to myself, I'll find myself destroying all kinds of things. If I followed my heart on everything, I would destroy so many people because that's the default setting of my heart. I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I lose my patience. This is why we have such a hard time doing unto others as they do, as we want them to do to us. It's because of sin, Jeremiah 17, nine. The Bible says the heart, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Indeed, there is not a righteous man on the earth who continually does good and never sins. Not a single person. Luke chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you meet the qualification of sinner, you're in the right place. Jesus has come to save you. The Lord Jesus has come to the earth for you and for me. Unless sin is dealt with, no one can live the golden rule. The sinful heart has to be replaced with a heart of gold, the heart of God. We need the Lord to do a heart transplant on us. Lord, rip out this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Give me a heart of gold. I want to learn how to love and serve people. I want to learn how to bless people. I want to learn humility and meekness, strength under control. It's the most beautiful thing. When somebody has all the power to be able to crush somebody and does the opposite and serves them. Point number three, if you're taking notes, people love the golden rule, but we love ourselves more. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Whatever you want men to do to you, Jesus highlights this. I like that he, he turns that on us. Everyone loves to quote this, treat others the way you want to be treated. The reason we don't do unto others as we would like them to do to us is because that calls us to treat others like we treat ourselves or better. And we think we deserve the best. I should be first. I get it for my needs. Why isn't my line the fastest? Why isn't my lane on the freeway moving forward? Why aren't you taking into consideration my opinions and my way and what I'm thinking through and my views and my upbringing and what I've gone through? Why aren't you listening to me? You see? We are more concerned about ourselves than we are of others, our self-satisfaction, our self-protection, our self-exaltation, as the great scholar Captain Hook once said, me, 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 my, 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 now, now, now. One of the greatest movies ever. Hook. We all want to be first, and that means that another person has to be second. Jesus is calling us to put ourselves second and to treat others as number one the way we want to be. Number one. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Treat others as number one. 
You know what that, you, you know what I mean? It's that moment when you see the last bite of cake, of candy, that last treat that you love, and there is no way you're offering that away to the person next to you, but when you both see it and want it, there is a race to see who can grab it first. But then you have that friend who says, you can have it, and you're so stoked to have it, but next time you have the control and you see the last piece, will you give it up for somebody else? We always want ourselves satisfied before others. This is the problem with the world. We love the golden rule, but we love ourselves more. We do love it. We love the golden rule, but we love ourselves more. We do it even as a nation. We do it with other nations. We do it with other people. We have to be careful. Who did the king of kings do it for, and what did he do? He literally had all the power, and he literally is number one. What did he do? He made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a servant. Think about how many times we put ourselves before others. Problem is, most of the time we can't see it, so this is what I want you to do. Think about that person you know who is the most selfish person around. It's always about them, and now realize that could be some of us. This is us in some areas of our lives where we want to be first. We like it our way, McDonald's. You're stubborn, won't treat others the way you want to be treated. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Here it is. For people will be lovers of self. What? Did you hear that? This was written 2,000 years ago. For in the last days, people will become lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, Paul says. This is crazy. I hadn't read this in a long time when I read it again. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self. This is like blasted on the radio, on the TV, everywhere. You love you, man. You do you. You know, you need more self-love. You need more self-love. Look, don't misunderstand. We need to take care of ourselves. That is important. But more self-love, more than loving other people, this is called selfishness. That's what it is. Giving ourselves everything that we need and everything that we want. It's literally talked about 2,000 years ago. The Romans were the best at it. They indulge in every pleasure imaginable. And we do this here in LA. We literally indulge in everything and anything we want the faster we can get it and the more comfortable we are and the more our lives are loved and served, we demand that, that everybody around us do that for us and that we do that for ourselves. This is like the buzzword in our culture, lovers of self. Got to be careful. Point number four, the golden rule starts with the golden one. 
The golden rule starts with the golden one. Our direction, motivation, example, and power all come from the gospel. How are we to live the golden rule? It's a lot to ask for the sinner, selfish human being. We have to look to the Lord. We have to look to God. You cannot do it in and of yourself. We need to love him with all of our hearts first. Then we can begin to love one another. There is no way you're treating others the way you desire to be treated until you lock eyes with God. This is important. When you lock eyes with God, you remember who you are. And don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that you shouldn't take care of yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually. You need to. You must. You need to be healthy. It's very important. Okay? And then number two, you need to go on loving and serving people. The acronym J-O-Y, JOY. Jesus, others, then yourself. When we are healthy and we're loving Jesus with all of our heart, then we love others and ourself last. This is the healthiest we could ever be, and this is when we are the most joyful. Look into the eyes of people who give their lives serving others. Helping people. Serving people. And tell me they don't have joy. Then look into the eyes of the greedy, selfish, stingy person and tell me that they're joyful. They've given themselves everything they've taken from everyone to get what they want. They've loved themselves well. And they're sad. And they're depressed. The best thing you could ever do is serve the person next to you. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones put it this way, you cannot love your neighbor as yourself until you love God. You will never see yourself or your neighbor aright until you have first all seen both in the sight of God. You got to see how God sees you. And you got to see how God sees your neighbor. And this is the magic key that unlocks our ability to love people at the level that God loves people. Think about how the Lord sees us. When you stand before the Lord, what happens? We're exposed, we see our sin, we're broken before Him, and we're thankful that He's forgiven and loved us anyways. Standing before the Lord helps us to see ourselves for who we really are. We tend to think of ourselves pretty great, a lot better than other people. And that's why we don't want to treat them well. But God has not treated us according to what we deserve. Now has he? Come forward, you, in before the throne of God. Well, let's see who you are. Run the video. Come on, let's watch together. Let's see who you are. And God declares, well, this is what you deserve. Has he dealt with us according to our sin? No, the psalmist tells us he has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor paid us according to our iniquity. But he loves us, and he's let it go, and he's forgiven us. So I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I forgive you of everything. Forgive him, Lord. I must have to make payment for something. No, you don't have to make payment for anything. Why? Because my son, the Lord Jesus, made payment for it all already. You get to go free. He made the payment. It's already done. It was done on the cross for you and for me. Standing before the Lord helps us to see through God's eyes for other people. Listen to Jesus' heart, Philippians 2, 3. 
Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. It's true, the closer we get to Christ, the more we see how much we don't deserve his grace. It changes us. Legacy, we need an outside source. We need somebody else to look upon us. It's the Lord. We need a close relationship with Him. And when you go to Him in prayer, I dare you. I challenged you last week to go knock on God's door by yourself. Go knock on His door. When you go before Him alone, you see His love and His grace pour on your life. Changes you. Causes you to love in a different way. Finally, point number five in closing. Give your gold away. You know the golden rule? Now give the gold away. Give the golden rule away. Love others the way you want to be loved. Sacrifice. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. Give away your gold. Legacy, we've been entrusted with the greatest, most beautiful gold of the gospel and the life with Jesus Christ. Give it away. Don't hoard it to yourself. 2 Corinthians 4.5, For we proclaim what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord for ourselves, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Here's your homework this week. We're going to worship in communion as we close. I want you to write down all the things that you like about people. And then write down all the things you don't like about people. And then write down what you love about God. And then begin to do what you would like others to do to you. Start to love others in the way that God loves you. Here's some practical things to close, huh? Things we like from others. You know what we like? We like smiles. Watch this. You can influence people very quickly with a smile. Did you know that? I have like a, a mug face. Like I, my, my, my resting face is like not a good one. <laughs> Like, people think I'm angry or mad at them, you know? Like, if I walk into a store and I'm just sitting there just like, hmm, you know? Like, he's not happy, you know? Uh, it's just my resting face. I never I was, like, 19 years old. Or, I don't know. I, I remember I was working somewhere, and some lady walked in. Is everything okay? Are you doing okay? I'm like, I'm actually, the day's wonderful. I'm loving life. Wow, okay, your face wasn't saying that. I'm like, I know. Sometimes forget to tell my face to smile. But you can influence somebody very quickly in a grocery store, wherever you're at, if you do just one of these. Hey, how's it going? If you smile, it's a universal, it's a universal thing you can do on the whole planet, anywhere. You don't even speak their language, you don't understand their culture. If you smile big like that, not a fake smile, a genuine warm smile, 
It's amazing. It says friendship. Compliments are nice. Gifts are nice. Being nice, kind, and happy, considerate, and thoughtful, a good listener. Being humble. Having humor. Lighten up. Quit being a stick in the mud. Have some fun. Things we dislike, Mr. or Mrs. Grumpy. We don't like insults, put-downs, or making fun. Being selfish, always thinking about our, themselves. Being angry or on edge, irritable, inconsiderate. Bad listener, arrogant, conceited, prideful, boastful, always making you feel less. When I think of Jesus, he's always gracious, always forgiving, always patient, always kind, always good, always humble, always perfect, always in control, and always in perfect peace. Legacy. Us living out the golden rule is simply living out all that we see in our God. Just loving people in the way that he loves us. That's it. We get to celebrate in the way that he's loved us now in communion. We're going to turn to the Lord. We're going to ask him to work in our hearts. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord. We're going to worship. And uh, it's a great time to renew our hearts and to renew our focus on him and ask him to work in us. Amen? Let's pray, and we're going to worship in communion. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your goodness and grace in our lives. It is you and you alone who have done this work. We thank you that you've loved us so greatly through the work of the cross. And now as we reflect on your work, would you bless us? Would you minister to us? Would you do that work in us? We thank you, Lord, for applying the golden rule to us. You have loved us the way that you desire to be loved. You've treated us the way that you desire to be treated. You have displayed this perfectly. We thank you for that. Lord, now as we look to communion, as we look to the cross, as we remember your death, burial, and resurrection, we pray that it would transform us, that it would minister to us. Please bless us now as we prepare our hearts for worship. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.